Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production, now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production, now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Our Monday interview podcast, where we have one of my favorite repeat guests. We have the brilliant Dan Butner, who is a National Geographic Fellow, award-winning journalist and producer, number one New York Times bestselling author and founder of the Blue Zones, the places in the world where people live the longest. Today, he is talking about a very different angle that is not ever talked about in order to live our healthiest, most fulfilling lives. And I can't wait to get into it today. I'm going to tease it a little bit because it's something I've never really um, I've never heard about this angle talked about in health books. And so Dan really gets into it and it's the focus of his new book, The Blue Zones Challenge. So cannot wait for our interview today and to share it with you. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to our fan of the week. Her name is Nurse Carrie and she writes, life-changing. I've been listening to Kimberly for years and now a part of her Saluna community. I never miss an episode. She is so smart and inspiring. Well, Nurse Carrie, thank you so much, my love, for being part of our community. Thank you so much for your wonderful review. It truly means the world. And I hope we get to meet one day in person. And beauties, for your chance to also be shouted out as the fan of the week, please just take one minute out of your day, hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It is such an amazing, powerful way to support the show. It's absolutely free. So thank you so much in advance. And if you screenshot your review and send it over to reviews at mysaluna.com, we will share with you our seven self-love affirmation series program for helping to reshape and expand you out of your limiting beliefs. I also want to announce now at the top of our show that we are in the pre-sale period of my new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life. So if you haven't yet already checked out our pre-sale campaign, please order your book today. You can start reading the first two chapters of the book today, and you will also get invited into our looped event, which is going to be an amazing community event with questions and meditation and more. And if you get two or more copies, you will also get for free an immediate access to our Beyond Fear, Awakening Freedom to Live Your Best Life course which is very full and has a lot of information to help elevate you past your fear into breaking, you know, breaking through perceived limitations and barriers in order to create your most amazing life in different areas, in love, in prosperity, in creativity, and so on. All right. All that being said, let's get right into our interview today with the amazing Dan Butner. Dan, cool. it's so exciting to have you back. Thank you for coming back to talk to us again. We always love having you here. What do you mean? I beg to be on your podcast. What do you mean? <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> well, before we start talking about the, you know, the new book, I want to talk a little bit about um, Blue Zones Kitchen because the last time I saw you was at the book launch, which is at Crossroads, which is like yeah, right yes. before the pandemic started, right before things started to get so weird. Or I didn't see anybody for like years, but you were, I think, one of the last people I saw, Dan. <laughs> well, I don't know whether to say I'm sorry or I'm glad. 
but it was, that was a fun night and uh, amazing people from the uh, plant-based community converged in, I think, one of the better restaurants in, in, uh, in Los Angeles, if not the world, at least when it comes to eating plant-based food. No, it was and, it was uh, amazing, and I have to tell this story because um, because you you are one of the things I love about you, Dan, is that you're so humble, you're so down, you're so down to earth. So I remember talking to you and being like, "How's the book going?" And like, I think it's going pretty well. And then I talked to someone else, like on your team, and they were like, uh, "We sold like seventy five thousand copies already this week. It's number one New York Times bestseller." So I know you would never say this about you know yourself and your work, but I just want to acknowledge to everybody listening how incredible this amazing work, which is helping people live healthier and feel better and have healthier, longer lives, is is reaching so many people. It's really resonating, and it's amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. It's um, well, you know, it's um, it's 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 um, it's my passion, and and uh, b- books like that are the byproduct. The idea behind Blue Zone Kitchen, you know, um, I started out 15 years ago to reverse engineer longevity, and found these five areas where people are living the longest, and I discovered their common denominators, which I think point us in a really strong direction for what we might want to be doing if we want to live longer. Of course, one of them is eating a whole plant-based diet. And um, the Blue Zone Kitchen captures, you know, it's it's equal parts science writing, National Geographic photography, and recipes. So I actually went up into the villages in Blue Zones, talked to 80, 90, 100-year-old women who are the keepers of this 500-year-old food tradition. And their great genius, Kimberly, is taking basic peasant food, beans, grains, greens, tubers, nuts, and making them taste delicious. Because as you well know, and I know you're a big uh, warrior in in evangelizing the plant-based message, but you know, a few percent of people will care about animals. A few percent of people care about uh, the environment. A few percent of people care that eating plant-based is good for their health. But if you can make plant-based food taste as good or better than meat, cheese, and eggs, you don't have to sell it. It comes naturally. And that's part of the secret of Crossroads. And I think that's that was what I was trying to achieve with Blue Zones Kitchen and, you know, capture the genius, the culinary genius of Blue Zones and uh, put it in a book that's easy to use and beautiful. It, it certainly is beautiful. And one thing, too, is that it's very um, accessible. You talked about peasant food. So it's it's simple. Like I don't, you know, I get a lot of recipe books sent to me and all around and yours is in my kitchen because I can open up to any recipe and know I don't have to devote my whole day doing like 50 steps and getting all these different processes. It's so amazing that this magic and, you know, using the ingredients, using these basic techniques, um, it's accessible, which I think is key to putting this all into practice. Well, the, these people in the blue zones, they're, they're not fussy. They were, this is quotidian food, food people eat every day. Uh, There are a few maybe celebratory dishes in there, but most of them are, take less than 20 minutes to make. A lot of bean recipes. I, I, you know, as, as you may know, I'm the big bean evangelizer and I believe the health of America will arrive on the, on a bicycle carrying beans. And um, 
the great genius of Blue Zones is they know how to make beans taste delicious in various mm-hmm. soups and stews and salads and and even main courses. And, and um, you know, people, you know, I work with about 50 cities in America and I get here all the time. I can't afford to eat healthy because uh, I can't go to Whole Foods and buy organic. And the reality is if you can afford rice and beans or beans and tortilla or pasta and fagioli, or some tofu, uh, man, you, you have all the protein you need, most of the nutrients, probably 95% of the nutrients you need just with, with beans and a grain. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, yes, you need greens once in a while. You need vitamin B12, as you well know, which is easy to supplement. It's the only supplement I, I'm in favor of. But uh, once you have that, you're, you know, you're golden. You don't have to remember. You don't have to spend a bunch of money on Weight Watchers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that that brings up a big point because, you know, besides people saying, oh, I can't, you can't afford, I can't go to Whole Foods. I like your, I like your voice there, Dan. <laughs> Another thing that people say is it's so confusing because there's all these diets out there and there's all this stuff and it gets like very specific. If you're trying to follow like paleo, you're trying to do this like, you know, 21 day program and it goes to this and this, it gets very heady. And I think one of the reasons people connect one of the reasons I connect so deeply to your work is it's from the people. <laughs> You're studying real people and how they live. It's not just, okay, this, you know, a bunch of like, you know, biohackery stuff, studies that people don't really understand and these numbers and these charts. It's saying, no, no, look, this culture is a group of real humans and this is what they're eating and this is how they're living and this is how they're connecting as a community. And as people, we relate to people. So that immediately cuts through this confusion of these very heady, you know, just the science speak. Well, I'm coming to you now from South Beach. You know, and right up the street, they invented the South Beach diet, which is, right, you know, exactly. basically, um, which I don't believe in, by the way. But but um, a lot of these diets are developed in in uh, the offices of doctors or or marketeers and, and uh, uh, or as a result of, of, of trying to uh, promote certain nutrients. And I, I think we start getting in trouble when you go low fat or high protein, no carb, <laughs> um, no carb. And that's not the way we evolved. We evolved. Humans have been on this planet for about 25,000 generations, 99 and a half percent of them. Uh, we were living in an environment of scarcity and hardship. And there, people didn't, our ancestors didn't pull a wrapper off of food. It, it wasn't processed. Uh, if they ate meat, it was rare. It was a celebratory food or it was a necessity. Most of what fueled our ancestors were, uh, when did it, well, roots and tubers and things you could gather uh, mm-hmm. until about 11,000 years ago. And then the, the very first cultivated crops were lentils out of the Fertile Crescent in, mm. in uh, Turkey, what is today Turkey, lentils and wheat grain. Yeah. And that is that is how we evolved the last 11,000 years and you know we, we if you want a pretty good idea of what you ought to be doing look at what our ancestors have done for thousands of years and that you know you can kind of forget the rest. Well and and what would you say to those you know the the paleo people that talk about 
you know, the, the, the tools and the hunting the animals and eating mostly or eating a lot of meat. I know this is probably something that well, comes up a lot. First of all, if you, if you look at the Paleolithic time, humans were not eating a lot of meat then. They were eating mostly t- tubers and seeds and nuts and, and berries and things that they could forage. Uh, maybe maybe some insects. Uh, occasionally, there was a, a hunter and a kill, um, but they didn't have refrigeration, so that meat had to be consumed there, right then and there. Right. So they, they may have they may have gorged on meat, you know, after a kill, but the, the next few days they weren't sitting around eating meat. And um, most of the 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 uh, dietary studies I've done, uh, I've seen of Paleolithic times. They're overwhelmingly eating plant-based still. Yes. And there's so much research that shows that. So again, it just shows to like the, the marketing of, of taking something and sort of fitting it into a, into a diet, into something that, um, you know, gets picked up by the media and then it gets misinterpreted when in actuality, it's not really the way it was in those environments in that time. We average American think about this uh, consumes about 260 pounds of meat a year. That that is an absurd amount of meat. Nobody, never, maybe King Henry VIII, who was obese and and uh, uh, had goiters, and maybe he uh, maybe he ate that much meat. But that's not never been something done in human history. Uh, we consume about 24 uh, uh, extra teaspoons of sugar, of added sugar, every day. Uh, that's not how humans evolve. We, we may be found honey occasionally or, or, you know, in these blue zones, they're maybe eating seven teaspoons of added sugar, most, mostly uh, because in celebratory times, they'll, they'll enjoy some cake or something like that. And dairy, dairy is just absurd. I mean, dairy wasn't part of the human experience until about 10,000 years ago. And some, uh, some people have developed the, the, um, uh, enzymes necessary to digest a lot of a lot of, most people a lot of people can't even digest we're not we're not meant to suck on the the glands of other species and uh, metabolize their baby's milk and uh, it's not good for us it's yeah. not something we see in any of the blue zones any significant amount and um, it's Americans consume about 400 pounds of dairy a year which is also absurd where we've been duped into thinking it's good for us and it's not. Well, and one thing about the blue zones that I love as well is how um, they're spread across the world. So I love that, they, you know, it's between Japan and Costa Rica and Europe and California. And so, you know, what would you say to somebody, Dan, because I get this question too, when someone says, oh, well, I tried to be plant-based and I just think my body, my body type needs some meat. You know, everybody's body's different. I think I have a body type where I actually need meat. What do you say to that? Well, I've heard alcoholics say they, they need a they need a beer. You know, it's just not it's not true. I mean, it may taste good going down, and they may be, feel better for an hour or two. But um, if they're if they're eating mostly a animal based diet. Uh, their gut is not getting enough fiber, which means their immune system isn't optimally fine-tuned. They're probably dealing with system-wide inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably don't, their digestive system isn't moving through with regularity. Uh, their mortality rate, their, their chances of dying in any given year is probably 20% greater. Um, 
chance of heart disease. It's just, it's just a myth. It's a, a myth to justify eating what tastes good to them. Exactly. And again, taking it back to the people, taking it back to your work, which is looking at these communities all around the world, you know, say, oh, they, people have different body types and different continents or whatever, but there is this through line of eating these natural foods, this peasant food, these plant foods. So if that were true, that different body types needed a certain amount of meat to thrive, then we would see that in the, in the, you know, the long-term cultural research. I imagine. Uh, so in all, I mean, uh, journalistic integrity, they do eat some meat in blue sure, zones, but, but not on like average. Healthy. Yeah. No, five times a month. So maybe once a week, maybe a little bit more than once a week. And, a, and, and a, you know, piece of meat, the size of a deck of cards, it's used as a condiment. And, you know, these people were living in areas where they, they had a hard time aggregating enough calories to survive and their goats and sheep sometimes did that for them. Um, but it wasn't this wholesale industrial slaughter, uh, cruelty that, that, um, goes on in our country. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, if all Americans ate meat five times a month, we, uh, instead of what we do 260 pounds a year, we probably wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, um, the, the, there'd be a heck of a lot less cruelty. The the um, our carbon footprint from from animal based agriculture contributes about thirty seven percent of all greenhouse gases. So uh, you know most of that would go away. And um, you know I, I look at meat as a lot like radiation. We know a lot will kill you. That's manifest. Uh, we don't know the safe level. But right. probably a little bit of exposure doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, we don't know if people in the blue zones lived a long time because of the meat or in spite of the meat they ate. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. So let's talk for a moment about your new book, Dan, The Blue Zones Challenge, which I love the practicality of it. But you open up the book in a very interesting way. When I started reading it, I thought, wow, you talk about these challenges and then you say it's not your fault. And then we talk about, you know, the rise of fast food and, you know, all the different influences around us. Can you, can you talk about that in the sort of, you know, in documentation? Well, I, I open the book by saying, if you, if you are overweight and unhealthy in America, it's probably not your fault. Right. And the reason I say that is because if you look at, at um, the data from 1980, uh, many of us were alive then. Um, the rate that we had about one third, the rate of obesity and about one seventh, the rate of diabetes. Now let's think about that for a moment. Is that because people in 1980 had better diets or because they were more disciplined or because they had better sense of individual responsibility or they're better people? No. What's changed? Well, what's changed is we have about 25 times more fast food restaurants mm. uh, now than we do then. Oh, over 50% of all retail outlets in this country sell junk food. You cannot uh, get a prescription filled or, or uh, get your tires changed without being routed, routed by a gauntlet of sugary snacks or Slim Jims or, or um, salty snacks or soda pops. So the core tenant in Blue Zones, in places where people are making it to age 100 at 10 times the rate we are, with a fraction of the rate of chronic disease. It's not because they try. It's not because they have better diets or better discipline. 
Uh, it's simply because they live in an environment where the healthy choice is the easy choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're not expected to always remember the right thing to eat or think about. It. You know, the, the food in the blue zone kitchen is what people eat every day because whole plant-based food is cheapest. It's most accessible. Their kitchens are set up so it's easy to make and they have time on recipes to make it taste delicious. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole blue zone challenge um, takes the blueprint of a blue zone and transfers it to your home and your life. So we do challenge people to go whole food plant-based for four weeks. And by the way, if you succeed at that, within one day, you'll feel more energetic. Within three days, you'll sleep better. Within about a week, your digestive system will work better. You know, food will flow through you with greater um, uh, regularity, as it were. Within three weeks, your mortality rate drops by 10%. No, wow. it drops by 10%. So does your chance of uh, heart disease uh, and many cancers of the GI by 10% just three weeks. You're more productive. Your mind is clearer. And within four weeks, you should lose between five and eight pounds wow. without trying. Uh, and that's just, there's good research behind that, but just going whole food plant-based. But rather than trying to tell people, you know, you got to remember to do this or, or um, find the discipline, uh, we show people how to set up their social network, their home, their kitchen, their workplace, and to a certain extent, their internal environment so that these the, the healthy choice is mindless. So we're setting people up for success uh, rather than expecting them to have superhero powers. Well, I have to say, this is the first time that I've seen a book laid out this way that's taking the environment part, because usually usually I loved um, Blue Zone Kitchens. As you know, I have coffees all over the place, but it, it is a set of recipes. And so it kind of leaves it to that person to, you know, do this sometimes and do this versus Blue Zone's challenges as practical as it gets. And I think sometimes we get so busy, we need to be told what to do and how to set things up in order to create that um, that pathway forward. It's like setting up a meditation practice. It's good to have one seat. You have your cushion there. You know, it's it's a quieter environment. You just kind of know when you when you go, you can drop in. It, it supports the energy of it. That's I right. Love, and the environment is everything. Set and setting. Hey beauties, so I want to share with you a little bit about why I'm so passionate about our SBO probiotics. You may have probably heard of probiotics by now because they're super popular and probiotics do help to really rebalance your whole system and your health because we know so much is dictated by the proper balance of bacteria in our gut known as our microflora. So why are SBO probiotics. Well, these ones, just like everything else that I love to teach about, these are based on mother nature. They're based in, SBO stands for soil-based organisms. So they're based in the soil, the bacteria in the soil that our ancestors used to eat in small amounts. And that would really help to nourish their guts and to keep them healthy. And that's how our ancestors got their probiotics. This type of probiotic is very hardy. It also survives stomach acid. So it goes into your gut where it proliferates and that's where you get the benefits. SBO probiotics are so powerful. You don't need to refrigerate them. You take them every day and you can get benefits as far as 
better digestion, more energy, higher immunity, even better skin. I love these probiotics. I stand by them a million percent. I take them every day. I recommend them to all my clients. So check them out for yourself if you haven't yet already over at mysaluna.com. And you can use the code wellness15 for 15% off all supplements or skincare, excluding bundles. Again, that's wellness15 for 15% all supplements and skincare, including these amazing SBO probiotics. There are measurable difference in your behavior depending on how you set up your environment. For example, a lot of us have a toaster on the kitchen counter. I don't uh, because I know that people have a toaster on a, on a kitchen counter. After two years, they weigh about six pounds more mm. than uh, a, a, another cohort of people that have taken that toaster off. Why is that? Because we, most of us are in what I call a seafood diet. We, if we see food, we eat it. Right. And when we walk by our kitchen and we see a toaster reminds us, oh, I want to put something delicious in that toaster. And most of what comes out of a toaster, it's not all that healthy for us. Yeah. Pop tarts, English muffins, most breads, crap. Um, same with junk food. A lot, you know, I don't believe in depriving yourself of treats. But if the treats are sitting out, every time we walk through the kitchen, we're tempted to eat it. And most of the time, we're going to succumb to that temptation. As opposed to create, establishing a junk food drawer, which is out of the way. I have to stoop down to open mm -hmm. it or it's around the corner of the pantry. Uh, you can still treat yourself occasionally, but you do it intentionally. Yes. Uh, research shows that if you have a TV in your kitchen, we tend to eat at the pace of whatever TV show we're eating. Oh Whereas God. if there's no TV show going, we eat much slower. And there's a much better chance that that signal full uh, has the time to travel from our bellies to our brains to tell us to stop eating. Whereas if we're eating mindlessly to friends or, or Seinfeld or whatever people are watching these days, uh, over time, that makes a vast difference in how much we consume, how much we weigh, and our chances for chronic disease. And, and amazing. And I, again, I just love it's It's very practical. Put the treats here. Take the toaster off. It's not this sort of like big theory stuff that people can't really implement in their lives. And one of the things you talk about with environment is this aspect of community. And right at the beginning of the book, you talk about, hey, there isn't this loneliness epidemic in these cultures because they step out of their house and they run into their neighbors or they see them at church or gatherings. But what, what about someone saying, oh, I want to implement this challenge, but my family members are not supportive or my spouse doesn't, is not on board to eat this way or my kids are resistant or whatever it is. What if someone doesn't feel like they have that community support right now for them? Well, the most, the most powerful thing you can do where we all have the power to build our own community. Our, mm -hmm. our families may be recalcitrant. But um, we know that obesity, loneliness, drug use, alcohol use, um, even happiness is con measurably contagious. This is actually the work of Nicholas Christakis, who's now at Yale, originally at Harvard. So if your three best friends are obese, there's a 150% better chance that you're going to be overweight yourself. Wow. Uh, one of the things we ask people to do, and we give them pr pretty explicit instructions on how to do this, is to re 
build your immediate social network. We take mm. a word from Okinawa, the Moai, M-O-A-I, building your own Moai. If your three best friends idea of recreation is playing pickleball or walking or gardening, if they, if they are, keep your mind engaged, if you can have a meaningful conversation with them, uh, if they're vegetarian or vegan, that is all measurably contagious. You do not have to forget about it. Is it, is it easy to go out and find three new healthy friends? No. But I argue it is the most powerful, lasting thing you can do to impact your health. You, Kimberly, you and I are friends. We don't get to see each other enough. But when I go over to your house, I am guaranteed I'm going to have a delicious plant-based meal. Yes. When you come over to mine, you can be sure. When, when we hang out, we're going to have meaningful conversations. I mean, one of the healthiest decisions I, I, I could make is to be friends with you and your family. And, um, and conversely, you know, if we hang out with people who sit around in the backyard and barbecue baby back ribs and burgers, guess what we're going to be eating? Yeah. Um, if our friends sit around and watch TV, guess what we're going to be doing? So I wouldn't tell you to dump your old friends, but I will tell you during the four-week challenge, we're going to help you assess your current social network, and we're going to help you rebuild in a, in a lasting way to measurably impact your health. Wow. And again, this is the first time in any sort of health book I've even heard of anybody talking about this in such a, a practical way. And it makes total sense because I think that's such a stumbling block for people they get excited and then the naysayers in their circle or their family kind of like, you know, um, Kill it. Critic yep. yeah, criticize the idea or just sort of take the, the spark out of it. So, um, wow. Um, now I want to talk about some of these communities that you work at, that you have worked with, which are, you know, again, just normal, regular people. They don't have, you know, tremendous amount of money. They're not, all, you know, rich people. They don't have all this extra time on their hands and they've been able to implement these lifestyle changes and you talk about one, I think it was in Florida or somewhere where they went from being the 73rd most unhealthy County to like skyrocketing up. Can you talk about what you've seen, not just in the blue zones, but with everyday people in America, you know, countries here in the West places here in the West where people are taking these principles that have been in these cultures for generations and what you're seeing nowadays, people breaking habits away from fast food, people, just changing things. Well, and again, in blue zones, people aren't mindfully doing anything. They're not trying to change their habits. They're just living their life in a super yeah. healthy environment. So what we try to do is make uh, environments healthier. So to date, we have now worked with 60 American cities, including three right near you, Hermosa, Manhattan, and, and Redondo Beach, mm. uh, Naples, Florida, near me. Fort Worth, Texas, the whole state of Hawaii, the whole state of, of, of Iowa. And our approach is three-pronged. So we have one team that works with city council to help them adopt the best policies favoring healthy food over junk food and reducing junk food market, marketing and advertising um, to adopt the best built environment policies or active livings to favor the pedestrian and cyclist over the motorist. So people are moving mm. naturally all day long and favor the non-smoker over the smoker. The second team deploys a blue zone certification for schools, restaurants, grocery stores, workplaces, and churches. And then a third team 
uh, endeavors to get 15% of the population as individuals to take the Blue Zone Challenge. And we're typically working a city for five years. And wow. we don't, you know, Fort Worth, Texas is our biggest so far, a million people. We wow. spend very little time trying to, to get a million people to change their minds. But what we did is through policy, places, and people is get reshape that environment. So we're nudging people into moving more, eating less, eating more plant-based foods when they do eat, uh, knowing and living their sense of purpose and socializing. And over the course of five years, and by the way, this was measured by Gallup, not us, uh, by Gallup, we, they were the, near the bottom of the 160, uh, one of the most unhealthy um, MSAs or uh, sort of cities in the country, we brought them up to uh, right in the middle of the pack. Uh, we lowered obesity rate by about 6%, lower smoking rates by about 5%, and saved that. And you say your big deal, 6%, but you drop obesity 6% in a city of a million people, that avoids about 30,000 heart attacks a year. Every heart attack wow. costs $120,000, so you can do the math. It eliminates about 19,000 cases of type 2 diabetes. Uh, every case of diabetes costs about the impayer or who, somebody $72,000 per year. Um, so uh, by just 6% drop, the healthcare savings amount to about a quarter of a billion dollars a year. And my company just takes a percentage of the savings. And... Um, it's doing very well. We're here in Miami right now. It looks like Miami might become the next Blue Zone Project City. And wow. uh, it's a completely different new tack because it's not guilting people. You're eating meat and cheese and eggs and sweets and not getting enough exercise. Rather, it just reshapes the environment to set people up for success. Wow. Um, and that's nobody else is thinking that way that I know of. And yeah. uh, we're we're, we're systematically doing it for cities. And now with this Blue Zone Challenge book, where we've uh, condensed it into sort of a handbook for individuals to take what we've been doing in cities for 12 years and put it to work in your home and your family life. Wow. Amazing. And I have not heard of anything, anything even remotely like this, Dan. So it's so exciting that you're putting this out. And also, I love the, the clarity I, you know, again, back to this confusion, I think one of the biggest challenges for people is I don't get it. Like, I'm confused. Like, this is contradictory or like, Ugh. and then this is saying, okay, look, here's, you know, what the community is like, these are the through lines we've seen. This is what's beneficial. And here's what you do. And it's very clear <laughs> in the world that's like increasingly becoming more complicated, I think and there's more thrown at us. There's something very relaxing to our nervous system, I think, just to be held and to say, no, this is how you set it up. It's very simple. It's very clear. It's sort of like the, the food, which is simple and healthy and delicious. But there's this simplicity, I think, that is so needed today to make enact great change. Sometimes we think things have to be really complicated and have all this stuff. But actually, it's the simplicity in the end that I think is going to win hearts and health. You know, you just nailed it. That's exactly right. Um, you know, I you've heard of Ansel Keys, maybe? Yes. Uh, Ansel Keys is credited with identifying the Mediterranean diet. Uh, he's also developed K-rations. People don't realize that. But um, 
I happen to know the his the the uh, a scientist who ran his lab. His name is Henry Blackburn. He's ninety five years old. He's still alive. He lives in Minnesota, and he told me that after doing what's called the seven country study that established that people in Northern Europe who were eating a lot of animal products were dying of heart disease at much higher rates than people living in Italy and Southern France and Southern Greece who were eating a Mediterranean diet, which was largely plant-based. But his original finding is the correlation was between animal protein or meat, meat, cheese, and eggs, and heart disease. It was a clear, the more meat, cheese, and eat, eggs you ate, the higher your heart disease and the more plant-based food you ate, the lower it was. But at the time, as a true academic, he couldn't just come out and say, well, if you eat more meat, you get a heart, you get, you're more likely to get heart attacks. He had to find the micronutrients. He was under academic pressure. And that academic pressure was to identify saturated fat. So he did make the connection between saturated fat, cholesterol, and then heart disease which at the end of the day confused people yeah. because the message that came out of it was, well, we have to eat low fat. And then everything went low fat and, and manufacturers just piled in the sugar to replace the fat. So it would be palatable for people. Yeah. But if, if he just kept it to the simple message, eat mostly plants um, and, and uh, uh, plants that you recognize, that's all that it takes. People would be healthier. Use real language, like use language that people understand. And also, I even feel like the Mediterranean diet when it came out also confused people because people picked apart different things that resonated. I remember people being like, oh, this tells us we should have a lot of olive oil. Since people were using a lot of oil, olive oil, people were like, oh, we had to eat more fish than me. And um, I just remember it wasn't like a really clear thing that people were able to grasp from it. You're right. And, and uh, the other problem with it is, you know, depending whether you're in Spain or France or Italy or Greece or Northern uh, Africa, uh, the Mediterranean diet is different in all those places. They eat different foods. So it's very hard to sum up. It's very hard yeah. to give people. I've learned a long time ago working with populations that you have to be blazingly clear and simple and give people very black and white messages because if it's gray, you know, I used to, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I wear two hats. One hat, I'm a National Geographic uh, journalist and fellow. And the other hat is I run uh, Blue Zones. And um, the journalists in me made me be completely clear with people that in Blue Zones, they ate some meat five times a month. And that they, the, the meat that they usually ate was pork. Uh, but I know that we don't know if they live a long time because of that pork or despite the pork. But as soon as you tell people that, they say, well, they ate pork in the blue zones. I can have bacon for breakfast and uh, sausage for lunch and a pork chop. That's blue zone food. So that's why I've chosen in all of my books, Blue Zone Kitchen and Blue Zone Challenge and and I got another one, Blue Zone American Kitchen, coming out next year. I have chosen to only highlight whole food plant-based. Um, we know from the Adventists, which is, are the American Blue Zone people, that um, the longest-lived Americans are vegans or pescatarians, but essentially vegans who eat a little bit of fish. Um, 
but the meat eaters, they, they're significantly live fewer years, have higher lung cancer, which I found bizarre, higher rates of heart disease. Um, and also, interestingly, if you take 50,000 vegans and 50,000 meat eaters, the vegans on average weigh 20 pounds less. Wow. So rather than like having to follow some diet, which no people do, just become whole food plant-based and you're going to weigh 20 pounds less. You're likely to be 20 pounds less than your meat eating neighbors. Well, that's and, a nice uh, clear message. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Wait, so- people want to lose weight, especially when they live near you in Los Angeles. Well, and, and all the beautiful people. It, it's so it's so simple, and you know, for me that um, in the past I had tried all these different diets, and I was struggling with my weight. Um, when I became plant based, and not only just plant based, Dan, but a big part that I talk about is I simplified my meals, sort of like this, you know, the the simple peasant food. It just became easier for me to digest. My bloating went down. Everything just improved. It was simple, and it was whole food based, and I wasn't trying to lose weight, but everything just sort of balanced. I think there's a line from um, one of T. Colin Campbell's books where he says, just eat whole foods and your body does the math. It doesn't have to be all these <laughs> I love that. big formulas. Um, but let's go back to the, the, lung disease, the, the lung cancer part for a minute. Is, what does that come from? Is there a correlation between eating meat and smoking or is there some sort of, like, what is with the, no, with the lung? It um, might be. Um, you know, most, the, the most interesting correlation was between fruit consumption and lung cancer. I, I can't explore it because it's epidemiology. It comes from the Adventist health study, but the people eating the most fruit had the lowest incidence of lung cancer. Wow. And it may be because fruit eaters are less likely to smoke, um, or it may be there's something protective uh, in fruit uh, for our lungs. But, you know, that's, that's a, all I need to know to, to uh, uh, increase my fruit consumption. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm a huge, huge, huge fruit eater too, Dan. I eat so much fruit every day. And again, back to this idea where people focus on the wrong thing. Some people are so scared to eat bananas because of the sugar, right? Versus, yeah. <laughs> bananas are also full of uh, soluble fiber yeah, and potassium. And, and um, you know, that slows the the absorption of the sugar. It's a very different animal. Of, I don't know, maybe a... a a, a banana has the equivalent of a teaspoon of sugar or something like that. If you eat a teaspoon of sugar, it immediately spikes your insulin and wreaks havoc on your organs. But if you eat a banana, it doesn't happen as fast. It's the, the, the soluble fiber mutes the uh, insulin response or the glycemic index. And it's just, uh, it's just not as bad for you as you think. Yeah. Um, so two practical questions um, that I think, you know, are important to show the, you know, what we need to focus on. The first one is on salt. So we're talking about very simple peasant food. And some people may think, well, in order to make it taste good, I need to add salt to my beans, salt to my greens or whatever. What do you think about the role of, of salt? Or what is the role of salt in the Blue Zones Challenge? Salt is a shortcut uh, to make things taste better. There are, there are easier, there are much healthier ways to add richness. Um, so it's a flavor enhancer. There's a lot of other ways to enhance flavor. First of all, tomatoes, believe it or not, add umami. Mm-hmm. So adding a little bit of tomato paste, if you're doing a soup or a stew. Uh, celery also is a flavor enhancer. So adding more celery than the recipe calls. I always double 
the Amata recipe. Using herbs in the blue zone, they're using oregano or um, rosemary, uh, sage, uh, using more herbs than the recipe, using more uh, red pepper. Mm. Um, I Rather than using salt, like I make a pretty famous Sardinian minestrone, which everybody I know loves it. Um, I use vegetable broth mm. rather than salt. So that's going to add the richness. So there's a lot of ways to, uh, like I said, you have to make food taste delicious. But there's a lot of ways to replace, to add the richness without having to just throw salt in. But we can use a little salt. You're saying don't over rely on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most vegans can eat a lot more salt than meat eaters are because they, their, their arteries are a lot more supple because they're not lined with plaque. Uh, you know, the salt, I mean, r- r- rising your blood pressure with salt becomes lethal when you combine it with stiff arteries because that's when you have a stroke or you put all that pressure on your heart but if you have supple arteries uh, uh, that most vegans do uh, you have this sort of pliability that can handle a surge in blood pressure that occasioned by salt it's less likely those arteries are going to burst less likely you're putting extra pressure on your heart Um, so is a bunch of salt good for you no but is it as bad for you as meat over time? I don't think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and one more question: When people are you know going through this challenge and they're thinking, oh, okay, I have to you know I'm going to be plant based. Now I know part of it is whole food based, but what if people are used to eating the sausages and the burgers? What about the in between replacements like the Beyond Burgers or the you know plant based cheeses as a replacement? What's your opinion on doing that? Well, I think plant-based cheeses are overwhelmingly very healthy. Um, they're they're just you know nut milk usually yeah. that's been uh, inoculated with with um, um, a bacteria to mimic cheese, and often they may be a little bit high in sodium. Uh, the the you know I wouldn't call the Impossible Burgers healthy, uh, but I will say it's there. It's a gateway. And it gets people thinking about eating plant-based food. It gives them a treat. It gets them off of meat. And therefore, I, I you know, I, I think it's, it's not part of the blue zone diet, but it's not something that I would condemn either. Yeah. Yeah. Like it fits in. Well, amazing, Dan. Thank you so much. And once again, for putting out an incredible piece of work. This one is very different. <laughs> I have to say, of all the things you created, of anything I've ever heard of, this whole environmental perspective, I think, is going to really hit home for so many people. It's hitting a different angle, opening up a pathway that I think has not been seen before. So thank you so much, Dan. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. New book out now, The Blue Zones Challenge, a four-week plan for a longer better life. And I like the better part because we want to just, you want to just yeah. live life. We want to have a better, more fulfilling, yeah, more energetic yeah. life. <laughs> you don't want a long suffering life, right. a longer miserable life. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and by the way, if any of your um, um, pe- people listening have follow-up questions, I'm really good at answering them. My handle is at Dan Butner yes. uh, on Instagram. And, and um, I, 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 I love hearing from people and I like love answering their questions. So if anything I didn't cover here and you want to ask, that's what I'm here for. I love it, Dan. <laughs> I do love your Instagram. You have these little, no, these little nuggets, 
very interesting piece, pieces of value that come up. And I do see you really answering people's questions. So again, so authentic, so from the heart, so humble and so helping us all. So thank you again so much for being here with us. We will link loves to the show notes. Also, Dan's website is danbutner.com. We will link directly to it, but please check out this new book, The Blue Zones Challenge. All right, loves. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I enjoyed chatting with Dan. So much just health elevating, joy elevating information in his work and his research. So please do check out the book, Blue Zones Challenge. Please check out our show notes as well at mysaluna.com. We will have other links to other podcasts I think you would enjoy, other recipes, meditations, and so on. Also, please do check out the new book, which is also part of the site now. You are more than you think you are. We are in our pre-sale campaign, and you do not have to wait to read the book. You pre-order the book today. You can start reading the book today. So check it all out there. I'm also on social at underscore Kimberly Snyder, sending you so much love. And see you back here Thursday for our next Q&A podcast.